Glory, 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 hallelujah. I'm so excited to welcome you again to another episode of Freshman Minister Digest. Sincerely, I want to start by appreciating the Lord for being so wonderful and on his rescue mission and how you have showed us clearly thus far from the Gospel of Mark. We're so grateful on what we're seeing and what he wants us to understand as we listen to his word and what he wants us to share to the world concerning his mission on earth. I'm so grateful for those who have been listening and sharing and and also and those who have been giving us feedback. I want to especially thank my brother, Brother Joel Chia, for those um, insightful um, study he has shared with me from his own personal study from the Gospel of Mark. And also, Pastor Keith for sharing, and through that we got a feedback from Pastor Joseph Okibi, that which was very helpful. And though concerning the record, I understand that some people are having challenges on how to play my podcast, though it's a kind of unique challenge that some people have been having. And sometimes also the break in between, there are some um, that are basically are out of my control, but I believe that um, it's something that um, Anchor are working hard to fix, and I believe that um, once there's a little pause, please be patient to wait for it. It's going to still continue. As we're patient in listening to God's word, God will continue to bless us in Jesus' name. We're going to pray, then I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 6, from verses 1 to 6, then do a little summary of our previous studies as we come back to the study of today. May we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercies, and your love towards us. Thank you for your wonderful rescue missions that you have shown to us to save man from damnation and this destruction that sin has brought into this earth. Heavenly Father, we ask that may you continue to help us to see this truth and help us to continue to receive as we listen to your word and, 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 and help us to continue to spread this good news to this dying world so that they will also come receive life that we may enjoy eternity together with you to the praise and glory of your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Mark chapter 6 verses 1 to 6. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where this this man where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How is such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work here, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief and he went about among the villages teaching may the lord bless the reading of his word in our heart in jesus name 
some of the studies we've been seeing thus far is that Jesus have come, the promised king has stepped into his creation to save mankind from their sin. And we've seen beautifully how he has been announced by uh, prophets even before his coming. Many prophets have been announcing that and we saw even towards the end of uh, the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi announced that uh, there is a Messiah, there is a Redeemer that is coming and he's, before he comes, uh, Elijah will be coming and he will make this great announcement and we saw John the Baptist came in the form of uh, Elijah and he prepared the way he proclaimed the king is now here and while Jesus the king stepped into the scene heaven himself reckoned that this is the promised king for God spoke from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased with and Jesus stepped into the scene and immediately he began to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of course and we said in the past that of course it, it is a good news because the, the, the chosen people of God has been waiting for this great uh, king, this Messiah king, this savior, this deliverer, this redeemer who will come and save them from their slavery, from, from their bondage. But they didn't really understand what the, the first mission was and the first phase of the mission actually was to save not just Israel but the whole mankind from our greatest enemy which is sin and mark beautifully record this proclamation to us with this kind of excitement on how jesus came into the scene with this sense of urgency because mark kept showing to us that jesus entered into the scene and there's a, a most of this world Australian chapter one immediately how he came in and he proclaimed the good news and he cleansed the leper and he healed the paralytic man showing to us his powers and permit me to just jump into the study for last week we saw Jesus's rescue mission how Jesus stepped into the scene this four scenario we saw last week were life-threatening situations how we we saw in in mark chapter 4 from verses 35 to 31 um the, the first boot scene actually we're going to be seeing three boot scenes so th that was the first boot scene in the gospel of mark how these disciples who were professional fishermen were threatened their life were threatened by this storm and jesus when he was arose and when they woke him up, he spoke few words and he rescued them from dying. And one of the most important things that we saw there is that, of course, Jesus cared and what he required from them was faith and not fear. But the big underlining question there is, uh, who is this man? Who is this man? Even the, the the storm and the wind obeyed him. And majorly that's what God wants us to understand. You keep hearing and seeing the word understand and, and listening to what God wants us to understand in this passage. So they ask, who is this man? And that is exactly what the Bible wants us to see concerning Jesus. Who is this man? So even the disciples now began to understand there is something unique about this man. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a prophet. There is something unique he was doing that no man could do. And that led us to chapter 5, how there was a man who was demon-possessed. Of course, his life was, uh, that, that situation was a life-threatening situation. How this demon-possessed man was helpless. No man could help him, you know. 
no chain could bow him down. Nobody could come close to him. Why? Because there were legion living in him. And Jesus stepped into the scene and he set him free. We saw that there were a lot of pigs in him and few words from Jesus set this man free and that this 2,000 heads uh, uh, of pigs ran into the sea and no one could save them and they were drowned and of course we saw the next life-threatening situation which was the woman with the issue of blood she, she the bible clearly said that she have suffered a lot from physician and no one could help her uh, you know in fact it looks like the more she went to physician the more her life became uh, the situation became worse and jesus even though he was working but this woman had faith that if only she could touch the hem of his garment she would be made whole and she came by faith and she touched him and she was made whole and of course the last one was another life-threatening situation by Jairus's daughter what happened she was sick and of course Jairus himself went to talk to Jesus but sooner than later what happened uh, messengers came and said to um, Jairus please stop disturbing the, uh, the teacher why because your daughter has died and Jesus said let's go and uh, she's sleeping he went there and he spoke few words to her, arise, and of course, she rose up and he gave her back to her own parent. He gave her life. So he's beginning to show to us his rescue mission to give life to the dying. And that was exactly what he has come to do. One of the shocking things that we're going to be seeing in this chapter today is that after this beautiful thing that Jesus have done, I thought that people should celebrate him, you know, especially the people who were around in that generation should have seen clearly the rescue mission of Jesus Christ and receive him. But the next thing we saw was a shocking experience. Of course, Jesus went about in his own normal way and he began to teach. He was teaching and we understood that while he taught, of course, they saw power. They saw this astonishing wisdom and they would have understood that um, this is a, not just a great teacher, but this is someone different who has come with authority to save mankind. But while he was doing that, a shocking surprise came up like we've seen uh, once in this study there was a rejection and this first rejection of course was from his own hometown his hometown rejected him why they were surprised and you know like what we call it today maybe um, um familiarity you know and they got of, uh, offended look at look, i needed to see what they said in verse 2b what is this wisdom? Where did this man get these things? How are such mighty works done by his hand? And then verse 3 was it was shocking. He said, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense. They took offense. They could not see clearly what God was doing. Yes, though they knew his background, but they should have understood this simple thing that, yes, there is a promise that this Messiah is going to come among God's people. He's going to come among his people. And of course, you can see verse 5 and 6 explain something. Jesus could not, Mark said could not, Matthew actually said Jesus did not do many miracles. Not that he could, doesn't have the power to do it. Obviously, Jesus doesn't need faith to be able to do miracle. But what happened? 
Of course, we can see that in verse 5b, he, he still lay hands on few to show that, yes, he still has the capacity to, do, to, to perform miracle, but because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief in this place, he didn't do miracle. Why? Because they refused to believe this evidence. So there is no point that he will perform this miracle. All that he wanted whenever there is any miracle is that people should believe. So because they rejected him, he did not see the point, the, the reason why he should perform the miracle. Because the miracle is to make people believe. The miracle is to make people believe. When they see what he has done, their eyes should be open to see exactly what those miracles are pointing to. But this is a first rejection, rejected by his own people. And he went straight, verse 7, he sent the 12 out, setting an example to show to them exactly what is going to happen to them also. He asked them to go, and we saw the urgency of the message, how they should do and carry plenty of things, just go straight and preach. But then he prepared their heart because he knew that there is going to be a rejection also. And he said, in verse 11, And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet, as a testimony against them. Does that say something to us today? I think this should be an encouragement that yes, as much as we saw last week, that the gospel is good and carries good seed, but the soil is the problem. Of course, we saw different type of soil and the soil was a problem because when this, this same good seed fell on the good soil, the Bible made us understood there was massive harvest. Yes, somewhere in 30, somewhere in, in 60, somewhere in 100. So this is the same good news, this good seed that he has sent his disciples to go and spread. But he showed to them clearly there's going to be a rejection. But then he has prepared their heart towards that. So to those people who perhaps you've been preaching to a friend for a long time and they've been mocking you, they're not listening to you. Brothers and sisters, these are part of things that we ought to expect. But we shouldn't be discouraged about it because definitely, as we saw last week, as we continue to spread this good news, because we have seen it clearly, it's a good news that the world needs. People need to hear this so that they could be saved. People from other religions, virtual other religions, believe in Jesus Christ in one way or the other. This is what they are filled to understand. Just like some of the people in Jesus' time, we're going to see clearly that, yes, this is his hometown. And he said clearly, a prophet is without honor except in his hometown. So we're going to see how actually that some other people receive that. And of course, they are saved. But there's a comparison that I'm going to show to us quickly, and that's what Mark has uh, written down for us here. We saw from verses 14 down to verse 29, we saw a, 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 a how will I call it, a licentious banquet that um, Herod uh, um, 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 display. Why did I say that? Because it was banquet was supposed to bring merriment, joy, and life to people. But this was the banquet that took the life of John the Baptist. You know, this was a banquet that, and I see, I see the reason today why some people don't really like celebrating birthday because they, they, they they've seen one the only ugly birthday we saw in the Bible was the one that the head of John was taking. But right after that, from verses thirty 
of course, what, what, what do we see there? We saw a beautiful banquet, Jesus' lavish banquet for the throne of Israelite. Yes, it was an unprepared banquet. They didn't know it's going to happen. But what happened? Jesus fed 5,000. 5,000 men, the Bible said, actually to show to us there are more than 5,000, but that's not the argument here. But we saw Jesus step into the scene and he fed 5,000. Maybe I should go into that before I come back to just talk a little bit about um, the rejection. Clearly, the feeding miracles of um, 5,000 appeared in the four gospel. What does that say to us? What is the significance of this um, miracle? What did Jesus want his disciples to understand? And what also do, do God want us to understand? That he allowed this um, instrument that he used to record this in this synoptic gospel. Okay, now clearly, I believe that some of us who are... Um, uh, good Bible student and those who have read from the Old Testament will understand the foundational event for the nation of Israel, the Exodus. Of course, when the Exodus took place, what happened? Jesus Christ fed his people with manna on the way. He fed them with manna on the way. And what really matters to them, you know, after that, there was uh, the instruction to make the act of covenant. And God instructed the Israelite to put what? Manna, the, uh, you know, a pot of manna in, in the act of covenant. And of course, the rod of Aaron. But this is the scene I want us to understand here. Why? What, what does manna represent? Of course, bread from heaven. You know, that was what Jesus, God fed the children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness. This thing was coming from heaven. And in this scene, there was no food. There was nothing for these great numbers in the wilderness to be fed with. And Jesus performed this miracle and he fed them. To open up their eyes and he, of course, to see that he was one who gave their own ancestors manna from heaven. But yet, amazingly, they didn't understand. This is how God wants us, us to be remembered, that want him to be remembered. If you check Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 6, of course, Joshua 24, verse 6, 2 Kings 17, verse 7, Nehemiah chapter 9, from 19 to 12, as the Old Testament continues and Israel ended up in exile, and there are passages that show to us also that the Redeemer is going to come. What is he going to do? He's going to come feed his children by himself. He's going to teach them by himself. But not just all that, but also he's going to take them through the wilderness. And he's going to take them through waters and he's going to provide for them in the wilderness. You can see some of those passages in Isaiah chapter 43 from verses 14 to 21, Isaiah 48, verses 20 to 21, Jeremiah 31, verses 7 to 14. Those are some of the Old Testament allusions. And simply, uh, at this time, in simple terms, the feeding miracle is a heavy hint that because he provides bread from heaven here in the wilderness, Jesus is the new Exodus performing redeemer. The disciples can't provide anything. They had no resources. 
but yet they didn't understand. And you see the similarity when they finished eating, Jesus asked them to pack even the tiniest pieces. And that's what he said to them also during the Exodus in the Old Testament. Like, don't waste this. Don't keep extra. You know, uh, if you keep extra, it's going to spoil. And these are part of the hints that Jesus was giving to them. But um, of course, they didn't understand. But Jesus satisfied everyone. Everyone got fed and there was left over. But the next scene we're going to be seeing, permit me to jump a little, I'm going to connect that, is uh, from verses 47, and, and Mark chapter 6, verse 47. What happened? This was the um, crossing of Jesus on water. You know, sometimes we don't see exactly what the Bible wants us to see. Verse 52 is the key verse here. If the disciples had understood that the long-awaited second exodus was now happening, they would not have been surprised to see Jesus walking on water. What happened? He came. They have gone ahead. He asked them to go ahead after he fed um, the, the multitude. But then he came in the middle of the night and they were so afraid. They were so, so afraid. Verse 49. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Hallelujah. Still pointing to them another Exodus language here. You know, when he sent Moses, what did he say? If they asked you who, he said, I am send you. And this is exactly what it means, actually. I won't bother you with some of those uh, explanations. Actually, the word he said, even in Exodus, was I. Because, and of course, there is no arm in Hebrew. But he said, I am. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is so interesting. It is uniquely that the disciples at this point, in a way, uh, their eyes would have started opening. Of course, if you check that in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, you see some of the things I just said now. And Jesus Christ has begun to set this second exodus. He's setting the scene by everything he does. He's setting the scene clearly so that at least, even if the whole multitude cannot understand, his disciples who he gave privilege and opportunities to, to, to hear words in secret should be able to understand exactly what he is doing. Permit me to just um, begin to wrap up today. I prefer to do one chapter uh, at a time so that we understand some of these pieces. And my target is actually at Passion Week, we'll be doing a daily podcast. By then, we'd have entered the scene when these whole people would have rejected him and what his death uh, means to us. So, what is the implication for us? The disciples misunderstood what they needed to understand, and how God would act to rescue them, and why Jesus is central to it all. But at least they were clear on its importance today. We have even lost that. There is a little real understanding of the importance of being rescued by God. But the danger from which we need rescuing remains just as real and horrific, namely hell. If we do not understand our danger and urgent need for rescue, the cross of Christ become irrelevant and some other rule will be invented for Christianity. 
and that's what we're seeing today. And we've seen about uh, private morality, social justice, personal well-being, and therefore and therefore. But and, uh, about that, sorry about that. And so please, clearly we're seeing Jesus' rescue mission and the second exodus scene being set in place. And as we open up our heart to see the truth and understand what God is doing and everything that's been written, they're not just written for show, they're not just written for us to look for the miracle, but written for us to see exactly who Jesus is. And I hope we are understanding better, not as the disciples, because at but this point, the disciples' eyes have not been opened. But I believe our eyes have been opened because we have seen better. Perhaps we have seen the end in a way. So as we go forth into the world, may we be encouraged to share this good news to others. And the Lord will continue to bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your goodness and this wonderful uh, rescue mission and this exodus that you have leading us to of course to them who have received you you have already led them out of the slavery of sin led us out of the slavery of sin leading us into eternal life the land of promise lord god almighty help that as we see this we will not just be satisfied uh, will not be complacent but we will launch out to spread this good news so that many will come to the saving power of your grace through jesus christ our lord Amen. Thank you so much. The Lord bless you as you continue to listen, as you continue to give feedback, as you continue to share with friends. It's so important. If you can't resist the least you can do, please share this podcast with someone and the Lord will bless us together in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week. God bless you.